Hey, everybody. Welcome to the You Were Born for this podcast with Father John Ricardo, Mary Guilfoyle. We are a couple of missionaries at Acts 29, and this is the podcast where we talk about anything and everything having to do with transformation in the church. Mary, an honor always to be with you. Oh, my gosh, Father John. Thank you. It's always a joy for me, too. You know that. And our topic today is uh, it's going to be a challenging one, I know, uh, but I pray it will be fruitful, not only for you personally, uh, but for all those who are listening, who for whatever reason find themselves in the throes of grief and sadness. So what's our topic? Amen, amen. So today's topic is permission to be real. Permission to be real. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we thank you always for uh, the incredible gift that is life for the gift of faith, for the gift of friendship, uh, for the gift of Jesus and all that he's accomplished for us by his life and death and resurrection. We thank you for uh, his showing us what it means to live an authentically human life and for giving us permission to be real. So we just pray that this conversation right now would be a means of refreshment, encouragement, and hope particularly for those who find themselves uh, in the throes of sadness and loss right now. I pray in a special way that it would be that for uh, my dear sister and your beloved daughter, Mary, and her family at this time. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The name of the Father, Father, the Son, and the the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. I wonder, Mary, if I could uh, maybe just set the, the context scripturally and then uh, we can we can break this open a little bit. But uh, b- even before we do anything, I just want to say thank you to you and to honor you for. Uh, I I looked at you earlier and said, hey, you know, like maybe we just forego a podcast this week, and you said, no, we've never missed a podcast. And uh, I just think it's important to for people to hear that and to say that. Mm-hmm. Mary just lost her mother, uh, Jermaine Henry, just passed away. She was just buried this past week, and. Uh, those of you who are grieving parents or siblings or children or spouses, and there are many, we know, because life is messy. Uh, we pray that this would be a, a real bomb uh, for each of you, and just know that we're praying for those of you who are hurting right now. And uh, I just really want to honor and thank you before we do anything, um, your commitment to the work that we do is pretty extraordinary, and uh, your reliance upon God's grace is noteworthy. So thanks for being here. My joy, Father John. Yeah, so open us up with some with, with um, some words from Paul. Yeah, so Paul says this. This has always been a, a favorite uh, scripture passage of mine. It, it, it's one that's often proclaimed at funerals, uh, Catholic funerals at least. And I, th- I think it was... Uh, it really began to hit me certainly after I buried my my dad and my brother and then my mom. But I, I just come back to this passage all the time because I think Paul was both telling us what to do and what not to do. So let's let's let the Word of God just be a, a healing balm for us, especially if you're not grieving right now, uh, you will be, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, but pray uh, right now for those who are because there are many. Uh, who are doing that. When one member of the body suffers, we all suffer. We all suffer, isn't that And when true? one member rejoices, we all rejoice. And so many of our, our brothers and sisters are suffering. So Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, this is starting in verse 13, he says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, 
about those who are asleep, in other words, those who have died, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. In other words, give hope, give heart to one another with these words. What words? The words that, that we don't have to grieve without hope. Now, Paul's not saying don't grieve. That would be ridiculous. What he's saying is there are two ways to grieve, one way of grief is to not understand who Jesus is and what he's done and to look at those that we've lost as gone forever. And the other way to grieve is to miss them intensely and yet even in the midst of the tremendous absence to know there really will be a day because of what Jesus has done by defeating and then sooner or later destroying the power of death, we'll be together again. So we're here right now just to reflect on, on the challenge that is grief. And, and you know, I, I don't know about you, I, I found when I lost my parents and then my brother, my own experience was I wanted people in the room, I didn't want them to talk. Like, please don't say anything. You have no idea what to say. Don't, don't offer pious platitudes. Don't tell me they're in a better place. Don't say anything silly. And it actually made me go, oh, Father, I'm so sorry for all the silly, stupid things I've said to people in my attempt to comfort them because I know there are no words. So even, I just want to say that to you, I know there are no words. You know, Father John, before we started to record, I was sharing with you a little bit about what my prayer has been like over the last number of days since um, Jesus called my my mother home to himself. And for the first time in some time, I'm finding prayer hard simply because of what you just said. Now, you're talking about words exchanged between friends and family. Like, there are no words. What do you say? You're, what, what, what we most need is just the gift of presence, you know? Um, but I'm finding even in my prayer, I have no words. Mm. Um, that... that my, my prayer time with the Lord is just me being with him yeah. and him being with me. And I, I've likened what I'm experiencing in prayer to this quiet peace. And then I started to reflect on that. And I thought, is this really a quiet peace or is this kind of a quiet loneliness? Mm. A loneliness in missing my mom, you know, and, and we can know that death is coming. My mom was 85 when Jesus called her. She had been quite sick over the last set of months. She lived 10 years after my daddy was called home to the Lord. 
um, wonderful, rich, beautiful memories in a particular way with my mom over the last 10, 11, 12 years. And, um, um, but I knew it was coming. And yet when I learned that she had actually passed from this life to the next life, that she had gone to the other side of the veil, we know this, right? All of us, as, as those of you who are listening to this, you weep uncontrollably, even though you know it's coming. And I think what I'm experiencing in these days is this quiet loneliness that I can't quite get my head around. And um, so thanks just for letting me be honest about that and uh, letting me be where I am. I've, uh, uh, I, I find that I want to be alone, and I don't know what to do with myself when I am alone. Um, so clinging to the scriptures, just sitting with the Lord and trusting that, you know, we often talk about, you know, Father John, that discipleship is not linear and, and grief is not linear either. So I'm not sure what to expect. Yeah. But, you know, losing my daddy was, had a particular texture to it, losing my mother has a particular texture to it too. Yeah. And I'm, I'm surprised how different they are. And so I'm grieving a little bit differently. Uh, I'm just, I, I'm just grieving differently. Yeah. I, 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 again, I just uh, thank you for uh, just allowing us in because I think what that does is that gives, that gives other people permission to be real. I think that's why we wanted to talk about this. You know, one of our, some organizations would call them core values. Right. We call them apostolic values. And one of our apostolic values is being authentically human. And we define that in a number of ways. But one of the ways we define it is by giving each other the permission to be real. And that's what you're doing right now. And I think when anybody, or that's what we're giving you right now, I should say. And I think um, we want to be, we want to be careful when others are going through difficult times to do just that, to give them permission to be real. There are, there are, even if I've lost my mom and dad, but I have no idea what you're experiencing. E even my own siblings and I, we grieved very differently and grieve very differently for our parents because we all have different relationships with them, right? And so all, all we know is uh, the ache, but that's all we know. I don't know your ache. I just know you're hurting. And when we, and unfortunately as Americans, like we have no idea how to grieve. I mean, no idea. We just, we, we, we say silly things like, hey, why don't you take today off, you know, and have a long weekend. We'll see you Monday. It's like, really? Like culture, some cultures take a year you to know, grieve and that's not even touching it. I actually thought about that this morning uh, when I, when we were in the chapel, I'm sitting in the pew quietly before the Blessed Sacrament, you know, um, praying before Mass begins. And I'm thinking, I wonder how much time this is going to take. Yeah. I, I'm wondering, like, if I worked for Ford Motor Company or, or one of the automobile industry, one of the auto companies here um, where the auto industry has a place of prominence, I'd like, how long do they give their their people time to to step away? And, 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 to be real honest, uh, I don't know that there's an adequate time That's right. uh, for that. It, it just it just comes it comes in waves. But what I appreciate too, I mean, you know, we also talk to you know it's okay not to be okay, mm -hmm. permission to be real, and even as we start talking about 
um, how we walk with people, like whether it's through the rescue project or when we're discipling people, these are the moments that we're going to be coming alongside our brothers and our sisters, right? Because life isn't just all joy. Life is a mixture of both the ups and the downs, you know, the mountaintops and the valleys and the joys and the sorrows of life. And so this is very instructive for me at this season in my life, like how it is Jesus may invite me to come alongside someone else who's mm. going through something mm. similar. Because, you know, the scriptures are filled with um, like 40 plus one another statements, bear with one another, be compassionate with one another, encourage one another. So to the degree that we experience these things in the body of Christ, uh, God, by the power of his Holy Spirit, wants us to um, learn from these moments so we can encourage and love and accompany others in similar seasons, right? Yeah, and I think, you know, as you're talking, we live increasingly behind screens. We communicate with emojis, with short texts, with all sorts of... um, you know, in a, uh, how would I want to say this with inadequate means of communicating with one another, oftentimes, at least for situations like this. And I think one of the things that's hitting me is just the urgent need for us to learn how to be gracious to each other again, and to be patient with each other and to be gentle with each other. Um, as opposed to try to, um, hastily move a person out. I'm thinking of a, a friend of mine who's, uh, whose husband passed away and he, he died shortly after my brother died and we, we got together and grabbed some coffee. And, you know, I think she said to me something to the effect of, I, I don't want to talk to anybody right now who doesn't have pain. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't want to. And, and, and I think what's really important is to believe in Jesus and to have faith is not irreconcilable with this. Like you have off the chart faith. Mm -hmm. You're one of the holiest people that I know and one of the people with the deepest prayer lives that I know. And so for you to be able to say, like, I don't know how to pray right now. Like that's really helpful for people Mm -hmm. because sometimes they're like, what's wrong with me? Nothing's wrong with you. You're being human. Yeah. I mean, I I had an image of Jesus years ago praying with a, a friend of mine whose father had passed away. And as I was praying with her, I saw Jesus. This is just my own imagination, but who knows? Maybe it was a gift from the Holy Spirit. I saw Jesus at Joseph's grave. Mm. You know, scripture doesn't talk about Joseph's death. Mm. We just know Joseph's dead before Jesus goes to the cross because otherwise Jesus would never have given Mary to John, right? It wouldn't make any sense. And so as I was praying with her, I, I just saw the Lord at Joseph's grave and I just saw him weeping. Like Jesus weeps over Jerusalem. He weeps over Lazarus' over Lazarus. death. He, he certainly right. weeps over Joseph. I mean, he chose Joseph to be his foster father, Tears for gosh are, sakes, yeah. right? Tears are part of the human condition. And, yeah. you know, I remember when we were serving in parish ministry, you talked about there's two different kinds of tears. Mm-hmm. And there are tears that if that, that have acid in them. Right. That that's literally the, the chemical pain. composition of that. Yeah. Water, salt, and acid. And if we don't cry those tears, like that's not healthy for us really physiologically, but emotionally we need to, we need to, we need to cry. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it, it, and that's the, that's the thing with, with Jesus at Joseph's grave. That's as, as I saw it, it's like, I just saw him like copiously weeping. And as I was seeing this, I was talking, you know, in my prayer, I was just talking to him like, Lord, why are you crying? 
because you certainly knew where Jesus or where Joseph was, and you certainly knew you were going to see him again. And I felt like the Lord and just yet, said to me, "I'm crying because I miss him." That's exactly, and that's okay. It. It's okay to miss people. Yeah. Like that's that's how we're made. You know, I, will, I can't yeah. I can't touch my mom anymore or my dad. I will one day, yeah. but I can't right now. And in the meantime, though I I can talk to them in prayer, which is an amazing thing. I miss them and we're, we're made this way. We're not angels. We're, we're human beings with bodies and, uh, this is part of life. Yeah. There's a, a thank you, Father John. That's, that, that's, uh, so helpful. And a couple things I was just thinking about the things about my mom that I'm going to miss. Um, I've lived away. So my mom lived in Kansas and, uh, my husband and I, our family, we left Kansas like 36 years ago. So Kansas really hasn't been home, uh, for some time. And um, I remember when I was writing uh, my mother's obituary, one of the things that I spoke about was her letter writing. She had fabulous penmanship, beautiful handwriting. And I would go to my mailbox sometimes, like over the last 10, 11 years, to find four, five, six letters in my mailbox. I will miss I will miss her letters. I will miss going to my mailbox and not grabbing a handful of letters. The beautiful thing is I saved every one of them and they're in a big basket. And at some point in time, you know, I'll, I'll waste some time with all of those beautiful words. So to that point, yes. Um, those are some of the things that I'll miss personally. But if I could just talk about grief, like in general, like each and every one of us are grieving something, Mm -hmm. Like whether we're grieving the loss of a parent, which is unique. You only have one mom and you only have one dad. And some of us are grieving our parents who have passed away. Some of us are grieving brothers and sisters who have passed away. Some of us might even be grieving a life that we thought might be ours, but is not ours. Mm. Maybe our life has taken a detour and we didn't envision that detour to be a part of our life. So maybe we're grieving what was not or maybe we're grieving um, a child who has left the faith, an adult child who's left the faith. Maybe we're grieving the divorce of one of our children. Mm. Or we, our own divorce. Or our own divorce, right? I mean, there's so many ways that grief comes to us. And the scriptures, indeed, as you said, Father John, are balm for our souls. So we do grieve with hope. And I'm reminded of Um, just so much of what we've had access to over the last number of years. Uh, One of, one of the things that I have found the richest are the writings of Fleming Rutledge. And, and she's keen to say that someone has come and done something about death. That's right. And so in this Easter season where I thank God mom passed away during the Easter season, that's a grace and while I will miss her, I, I, I grieve with hope because God has done something right. about death. He's undone death. Yeah. And my mom is on the other side of the veil simply because of what Jesus Christ has done for us in the cross. The cross was not a defeat. The cross was a massive victory. Amen. And for me right now in a particular way. Amen. Yeah. You, yeah. Can, can I ask you, I, I know you want to share something. This is something actually that a friend of mine sent me years ago before I had lost my brother and my folks, which I, th- I think I appreciated at the time, but I didn't really appreciate until I'd, I'd gone through the grief that I did it, uh, in those moments. But uh, you, you've just come across it again too. And it's, 
even though it's not a um, it's not an explicitly religious reflection, I have found this to be one of the most spot on descriptors of grief I've ever encountered in my life. And so I, I'm going to ask you to read this. Maybe we can close with that. I, I want to say one last thing though before you sure. do that. Sure. I, I know I want to honor uh, good friends of ours, John and Sandy O'Shaughnessy. They do this great ministry called Grieving with Great Hope. or It's the Good Morning it's Ministry. It's Good Morning Ministry, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. Yeah, just tremendous folks who both lost a spouse and then have just, uh, they married each other and have, have been doing some incredible work of uh, bringing healing to those who are in the throes of grief. But I remember one of the first times sitting in on their workshop and it was so helpful for me because I was, you know, I grew up in the 70s and 80s and was in high school in the uh, 70s and 80s. And I remember going to uh, to class and learning the stages of grief from Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. Kubler yeah. And she did some amazing things, I'm sure. But it was so helpful for me to hear them say, yeah, that's not true. Like, in other words... The, the oftentimes the way the stages of grief are presented, it's like, okay, I've, I've moved from one, I'm, out, I'm now in the next stage, and now I can anticipate moving to the next stage, and then I'm done with that, and then I get to the next stage. And that's just not how grief works. Grief's more like a, a smorgasbord. You go from one to the other, and then back again, and back again, and it's, it's not linear, as you just said. It's more, it, it, it's bouncing all over the place. And so it's okay if that's where someone is right now, it's okay that that's where you are right now. You don't, you don't progress through this. Well, you know, Father Johnny, even as I, and I, I know those stages of grief. I mean, we're all familiar with, with, with that work. And what happens is, is, is when we, I think we set ourselves up for a failure yeah. when we think that well, we've passed through all of these stages, I should be over it by now. Right. And when we find that we're not, then somehow we think that we're failing grief yeah. And that's just not how it is. And so God gives us permission, right? Just to your point that we were talking about when we first started our conversation, he, he was fully human Amen. and he understands grief. And so what you were, what you had said you received from a brother in the Lord, I received actually from your sister Lynn. Um, and um, shortly after my mother passed away, and I have wasted a lot of time with this. And I told her, I said, this will make its way into my Bible um, where I can pray with it and press into it often. And so I just, I'm just going to share it. I would great. love to. You. So as for grief, you'll find it comes in waves. When the ship is first wrecked, you're drowning with wreckage all around you. Everything floating around you reminds you of the beauty and the magnificence of the ship that was and is no more. And all you can do is float. You find some piece of the wreckage and you hang on for a while. Maybe it's some physical thing. Maybe it's a happy memory or a photograph. Maybe it's a person who is also floating. And for a while, all you can do is float, stay alive. In the beginning, the waves are a hundred feet tall and crash over you without mercy. They come 10 seconds apart and don't even give you time to catch your breath. All you can do is hang on and float. After a while, maybe weeks, maybe months, you'll find the waves are still a hundred feet tall, but they come further apart. And when they do come, they still crash all over you and wipe you out. 
But in between, you can breathe, you can function. You never know what's going to trigger the grief. It might be a song, a picture, a street intersection, the smell of a cup of coffee. It can be just about anything. And the wave comes crashing. But in between waves, there is life. Somewhere down the line, and it's different for everybody, you'll find that the waves are only 80 feet tall or 50 feet tall. And while they still come, they come further apart. You can see them coming. An anniversary, a birthday, or Christmas, or landing at O'Hare Airport. You can see it coming for the most part and prepare yourself. And when it washes over you, you know that somehow you will, again, come out on the other side, soaking wet, sputtering, still hanging on to some tiny piece of the wreckage, but you'll come out. Take it from an old guy. The waves never stop coming. And somehow you don't really want them to, but you learn that you'll survive them. And other waves will come, and you'll survive them too. If you're lucky, you'll have lots of scars from lots of loves and lots of shipwrecks. Thanks, Mary. Eternal rest grant unto Germaine, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon her. And through the mercy of God, may all the souls of the faithfully departed rest in peace. We're praying for all of you who are in the throes of grief right now. Let's be gracious, gentle, patient, kind to one another. And uh, and filled with great hope. And filled with great hope. We love you. God bless you. Do not be afraid. God has done something about death. And he's with you. And you were born for this. 